and we want them short and simple and easy because Assyrian food as you know we think a lot goes into it but it's very simple if you go step by step. Welcome everybody to episode 34 of the Assyrian Podcast. My name is Adessa and I had a chance to sit down with Assyrian Dishes co-founder Julian Ibrahim and learn more about the yumminess behind Assyrian Dishes. Food is as integral to Assyrian culture as any of the other categories that we place a focus on. Whether you call it shirwa or shorba, dolma or prache, kubba or kibbe, Assyrian food spans across countries and though at times it is adapted, the key ingredients remain as staples to the food we all love and enjoy. Food is a part of our identity. It helps bring us together and invites people into our culture. Whether you're just beginning the journey of making food or are an experienced cook looking to try a new dish, Julian's short step-by-step videos make the process easier than ever before. You'll also be impressed to know her husband does all the behind the scenes from serving as the cameraman, video editor, photographer, and all the music heard in her videos are produced by him. Talk about a dynamic duo. If this is the first episode you're listening to on the Assyrian podcast, Shana Tilochon and welcome. We produce episodes every Tuesday, and if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and review the Assyrian podcast wherever you listen to it and share these episodes with others. Lastly, support for this podcast comes from Tony Caligarakis and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that has been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caligarakis. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at injuryrights.com or 847-982-9516. Now without further ado, Julianne Ibrahim. I always thought that you lived in Australia because of your accent. So I had no idea that you lived in Ontario, Canada. So how did you end up here? I lived in Australia nearly all my life. I've been there nearly 30 years. I was born in Iraq, Baghdad. I left there when I was about three years old with my family. We fled from the Iraq-Iran war. We moved to Greece. We were there for about two years in 84 our papers opened up for Australia we were refugees we immigrated to Australia and yeah so when I got married about five years ago my husband was from Canada and I moved here very nice yep I also ended up coming to Canada as a result of marriage so (laughs) sacrifice yes (laughs) talk to us a little bit about your love for cooking and where that stems from I'm not a chef and I don't pretend to be a chef, just a regular housewife with kids and I love cooking. In Australia, I was a real estate agent, so far from cooking. (laughs) (laughs) The thing was in Australia, with every young girl, we study, we work, and we never realized how much our mothers did when they were cooking at home. So when we studied and we worked and we came home from work, food was already prepared mm-hmm. and when we tried to <laughs> help our mothers cook they tried to get you out of the kitchen this is my <laughs> area get out of the kitchen I don't have time to teach you so then we never learned how to cook and you're expected to know how to cook when you get married so when I 
moved to Canada and I got married, I was on the phone with my mum every day saying, Mum, how do you make razakhwara? <laughs> like simple things like sharba, dolma, things like that. So I was on the phone with her every day, writing down the ingredients and how to make it. The problem with the Syrian mothers is they don't give you measurements. It's like, how much is khatcha? So I had to experiment and test it out a couple of times before I got it right. How much water you put in rice, you know, to get it cooked properly. And yeah, most of the recipes are from my mother. And I have a lot of recipes from my mother-in-law who taught me how to make kubut hamad, kubut mosel, and my sister taught me how to make dolma and biryani from my mother. So most of the shorba and the rizza from my mum and most of them from my other family members like aunties, uh, sister, sisters-in-law. So they all come together from all my family members. We all have our own style. My mum will make it this way and then I change it a, a bit to how I like it or how my family members like it. So we all have our own style and our own ingredients, what to put in there. And that's why cooking is fun because you make it your own. Yeah, and I noticed that with your videos. I mean, you have one way of preparing dishes and you can look through the comments and people are like, oh, well, what about cilantro? What about <laughs> yeah. da da da? And it's like, well, we all kind of adapt things and substitute things so that they are made in a way that we would enjoy it, you know? Exactly. Assyrians make a lot of dishes in different ways based on the countries of influence that they recited. So how do you decide which recipe to follow? I was born in Iraq, so my influence is from the Assyrian Iraqi way. There are some from my comments that are like Persian Assyrian um, or from Syria Assyrians that have different ways of making, say, dikhwa or dolma with you know garlic cilantro and dill coriander things like that and my mum puts a lot of garlic in her dolma or other foods and even a lot of Assyrians make other foods with like shorba and that with garlic I find that if you put so much garlic in food you don't taste the real flavor of the of the recipe of the dish so I don't put much and I don't even on my videos I don't put the ingredient as adding garlic in there it's to your taste. Like every food, every recipe, every dish is to your taste. If you like cilantro, put cilantro. If you like coriander, put coriander. If you like dill, put dill. I'm just putting the, I'm making the basic foundation of the recipe and then it's up to you to add ingredients to your taste. Yeah. Much of our demographics of listeners are around my age, you know, in their 20s and 30s. And many of them have never even tried to make a dish before, or they're maybe in my, my position where they're becoming more familiar to, in doing it, but it can get so frustrating from trial and error. So how long did it take you until you began to feel really comfortable with a recipe that you had down? So why we, we as I mean, my husband and I created Assyrian dishes is because when we were, when I was trying to find Assyrian recipes online, there weren't much reliable resources. And most of them either were cookbooks you had to buy or there were videos, but they were in Arabic. I don't speak Arabic. My husband speaks Arabic. So when I was looking at video recipes, my husband had to translate them to me. So we thought to ourselves, why don't we create this channel for our kids to learn how to cook Assyrian food because 
all we see is Italian, Mexican, you know, Chinese food. We know all how to make and there are videos out there, but there's no Assyrian. We don't want to lose our culture. We don't want to lose our food to other countries. So we created this channel and we thought if we're going to do this, we're going to do this properly. We'll have a website, we'll have a proper professional video recipes and we want them short and simple and easy because Assyrian food, as you know, we think a lot goes into it, but it's very simple if you go step by step. So my husband does the video, he does the camera work, he does the photography, he plays the music. We designed the logo, the name, and we thought our kids need to learn how to cook Assyrian food. Our demographics is not just, you know, young girls learning, getting married and wanting to learn how to cook Assyrian food. Most of my emails and messages and followers that come from Assyrian dishes are, yes, young people, young men and women that are moving out of their homes, not just getting married, for travel, for work, uh, living abroad, living on their own, missing their parents like their mothers or aunties or grandmothers cooking and they want to learn how to cook at home. Other demographic, older women in their 50s, in their 60s that have also studied and worked all their life but then you know their mothers or grandmothers have passed away and they don't know how to cook Assyrian food and they message me privately, how do you make this, how do you make that, you know my mother never taught me how to cook. So we have them and we have non-Assyrians that are married to Assyrians. Bakhtate, mm. you know, their wives or girlfriends, their partners, they want to learn how to cook Assyrian food for their husband and the kids, but their mother-in-law doesn't want to share their recipes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why they look at my videos and they say, thank God for your videos because you've helped me so much, you know, enrich our children and still eating Assyrian food. You know, it gives me great pleasure hearing those messages, those people thanking me for, and, and their kind words, you know, and I thank them for all their support. The way that I see it is like, you really are providing a great service for people and also maintaining a, a part of our culture because food is very much a part of our culture as is language as is all of these other things dances music and you're doing it in a way that's accessible that caters to us now in 2018 in a way that we can just go on youtube and actually see a visual yeah. of step by step how to do it even seeing recipes in in text format on blogs it's not it doesn't do yeah. the same thing as it does in video so i think that you are creating a really great opportunity for people to upkeep a part of our culture, which is yeah. the food component. Who is your favorite person to cook for? Oh, my family, <laughs> number one. Um, my husband and my kids, um, and they're my biggest critics. They all love they love my food, <laughs> but sometimes, yeah, they'll say, oh, this is a bit spicy, you know, when kids say, oh, this is a bit too spicy, but... Yeah, it's my family members and I love to entertain, I love to cook. Um, I have barbecues with my friends and family that come over and they try out the food, but yeah, my family members. <laughs> awesome. And who do you enjoy or who is your favorite person to cook with? Um, I, I cook on my own. Uh, okay. Yeah, my mother is in Australia. My When my sister comes over, the food's already done. <laughs> Would you say it's like a therapeutic thing? Oh, I love cooking. Yeah. I wake up in the morning or from last night, what am I going to cook the next day? <laughs> I like trying new things. I like trying new recipes. Yeah. One of our co-hosts, when I was asking them, hey, do you have any questions that you want me to make sure that I ask? 
he says, yeah, how does a 30-something-year-old cook in the house when he doesn't have his mom anywhere near and Noah's Syrian's near. I was like, well, watch her videos. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, one of the other ones had said, how can cooking be fun and not just something that one does out of necessity? The reason why we created this channel, why how it's so simple, because it's all visual. I don't talk much, only the intro and at the ending. Most of the other YouTube videos, like the Arabic ones or other ones they talk a long time and this is how you do this this is how much you put this is how the ours is all written short our videos are under about three minutes even to make dolma or maklubi which takes you know hours to make we try to simplify as much as possible we have like assyrian kind of melodies in the background just to keep you pumping <laughs> uh, entertained and so that's why, we, yeah, we did it as simple as possible. We don't want to, we made it so simple that the ingredients are written at the start. We have a website as a backup if you want to go back. Yeah, we've tried to make it as simple as possible for someone that's never cooked rice before, you know, someone that's never boiled an egg before. <laughs> I was going to say it's less intimidating <laughs> when you watch the videos because yeah. then it's not so much... Of an overwhelming idea of cooking, for example, dolma. Yeah. When you kind of break it down step by step and see the the ingredients that are a part of it, then you realize it's actually not that bad. What would you say is your favorite dish to make? Well, my favorite food is kubahamath. (laughs) Favorite dish to make would be maklubi. Maklubi. Yeah. There's so many layers and steps. Um, and could you talk maybe for those who are not familiar with that dish what that consists of maklubi is just um, fried vegetables like layers of potato eggplant capsicum onion tomato and red rice what is the smoker you put all the vegetables in layers at the bottom of the pot then you put the red rice on on top of that then you flip it upside down and it's like a layer of a, a cake Oh oh vegetables gosh. and rice. <laughs> so does a smoke on I can have vegetables? that every day. <laughs> wow, that sounds yeah. amazing. Do they put masto with it at all on the side or you not can, so much? You can, yeah. What is a smoke with masto? Yeah. You can't go Key. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what are some essential spices that every Assyrian should have or every Assyrian household should have? Okay. Uh, baharat, number one. Uh, it's either for biryani and curry powder, lemendus. What's that? Lemendus is like citric acid, uh, okay. which you can put with, uh, with the sauces with dolma, uh, the red sauce, you know, tomato sauce with lemendus. Is it the same as lemon juice or they have different tastes? It's like lemon juice, but it's the crystallized lemon oh, juice. Okay. Yeah, it's more, pa- more punch into it. Cardamom, which is hair, I use for baklava, um, for walnut, you know, pastries, you always add that in there. Yeah, curry powder, citric acid, baharat, uh, cardamom, hell. That's mostly chili powder. That's mostly it, yeah. Turmeric? Do we use turmeric a lot? Sorry, turmeric also, yeah. I use dry spices like dried parsley. I use cumin and coriander for falafel. Yeah. If someone was just starting with this journey of creating Assyrian food, what would you suggest as or create as their first dish? Something that would be easy, not so intimidating. Yeah, rice, white rice is the first thing you need to try. That was my first thing I had to make. White rice and then red rice and then start making the 
the shorba, you know, the, the tomato stew with either potatoes and beef. And then go deep into making dolma and biryani. They take the longest to make. So baby steps first, rza khwara, like white rice, uh, red rice. Gurgur is easy to make too. Very cool. Something I've noticed in your videos is aside from actually showing how to create the dishes, you also show Niagara Falls, you show Sydney, Australia, you've had Linda George come on and show one of her favorite dishes. So talk to us a little bit about the process, the thought process that goes behind Assyrian dishes when you're making each video. So with Assyrian dishes, Assyrians love food, they love music, and I'm from different countries. So we love doing travel vlogs. They're not like talking, but we like showing our my favorite parts of where we've been to. So in Australia, I show where the churches are, where I love to eat, and scenery of Australia, like Sydney Harbour Bridge, Opera House, and even picnics. In we went to Greece also. I went to Omorat Mergoergis, where when I used to live in Greece which is St. George's Church, right on top of Athens. Our favorite Greek food and favorite places to go, like islands and that, and Acropolis. Niagara Falls, where, I'm, where I live right now in Canada. We love, you know, visiting Niagara Falls nearly maybe once every three months, you know. So we like traveling and showing where, where we're going, what's our favorite places to eat, and just the scenery yeah Great. we don't want it just to be just a syrian food we want uh, we want to show where where we're traveling creates like a different dynamic within the videos yeah. do you know what the oldest Assyrian dish is i had this question from someone from uh i think it was facebook or youtube and they say king ashur um used to love eating kubba so any sort of kubba could be kubba mosul, kubba hamad, kubba halaf. So could we say yeah, kubba is an Assyrian the, dish? Yeah, oh, definitely. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. If there was a dolma eating contest and you could pick <laughs> anyone in the world, famous, not famous, to serve as the three contestants who would be there, who would it be? Three contestants for dolma, I'm not sure. <laughs> Do you have like a favorite actor, singer? That you're like, yes, I'd love for them to try my dolma. Linda George, definitely. <laughs> I love Juliana Jindo, also Janan Sawa. Yeah, nice. <laughs> three of them. Nice. Well, we'll have to bring them one of these days, <laughs> have them sit down and see who would win the dolma eating contest. <laughs> Outside of making Assyrian food, what is your favorite kind of food to make? I love making Italian food also. You know, spaghetti, lasagna, pasta things like that yeah and even um i've seen like on youtube sometimes there's a syrian style of making <laughs> spaghetti <laughs> yeah um, they call it syrian macaroni, macaroni. But, yeah they don't do the bolognese but they mix it together with the spaghetti or macaroni so that's how they call it a syrian spaghetti yeah. <laughs> macaroni <laughs> yeah that's always really good to eat and simple relatively yeah. simple to make when was the last time that you pushed yourself out of your comfort zone to make a dish and what was that particular dish Sometimes, yeah, I do make a couple of dishes that I have to do either two or three times to get it right because it's all about the temperature, like the pistachio nougat one, the dessert. If you don't have the right temperature of cooking the sugar syrup and then adding it to the egg whites, 
it just becomes gluggy. Mm. <laughs> so it has to get to the right temperature. So you have to try them two or three times. Pistachio nougat one was the hardest one <laughs> that I had to get right. I can imagine. Yeah. That one seems a little bit intimidating <laughs> for me. I think I'm going to have to make some other dishes yeah. before I yeah. get to that one. <laughs> have you wanted to make a dish that you haven't yet? There are a couple of dishes that are intimidating for me, but I have to get my mother-in-law or my mother to show me how to make, which is pacha. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't eat it. My husband eats it, but I need to learn how to make it. So I need to get that recipe done. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, requests for that one. Can mm. I also say, can mm. I thank Linda George for supporting Assyrian Dishes and also Talal Goresh. That's been one of my greatest supporters when we just first started out. So yeah, I'd like to thank these two people <laughs> yeah yep shout out to linda george and Dalal <laughs> you had mentioned earlier that you know growing up so often our moms in the kitchen will be like get out you yeah. know that's the best thing that you can do is get out yeah. <laughs> how have you been with your children when it comes to cooking do you involve them yeah. or you know is it your kind of I know, therapeutic I session <laughs> where you're like all right this is not the time i need I you out i have that mentality also but then i have to switch off and say no look they have to learn because cooking is fun and I get my four-year-old son to mix you know in a mixing bowl I have my daughter also making salads how to learn how to make big salads or small salads you know with either with rizza or big salads for you know other dishes I have my other son also learning how to cook and dice and peel potatoes I love having them involved I know it's hard for me to say you know please, you know, get out of the kitchen, let me do it. But I want them to learn. I want them to love to learn how to cook Assyrian food. I want them to learn about vegetables and ingredients and grains. And um, my son, who's nine years old, loves locha. He would love to eat locha every single day. I go, it's not that cold to make locha right now. <laughs> but he loves locha. My daughter loves to eat any kind of food, Assyrian food. And yeah, my uh my four-year-old son, he always says, no, I don't like it, you know, but then when he tries it, he loves eating like kifte or kubahamath. So yeah, kids will, I want kids to learn how to cook Assyrian food. I want them to, you know, grow up saying, oh, I'm watching my mum cook Assyrian food. I'm going to learn how to cook Assyrian. Because the younger generation is our future. I don't want them just to learn how to cook Mexican or Italian or Chinese food when there's lots of videos out there on how to make these foods. But there's not enough reliable sources how to make Assyrian food. Absolutely. For the dishes that you have on your website as well as the videos, are any of them not Assyrian at all but have been influenced based off of like the country that they're a part of? So we have another tab or another section of our website, even on our YouTube channel, where if I go to Greece, I'm going to show you how to make uh, Greek souvlaki mm. or Greek salad. So there is another section where Assyrian dishes around the world. So if I go to Italy, I'll make pizza. If I go to, <laughs> you know, things like that, different countries, I'll... I'll make that food. We want it to make it multicultural, but stick to Assyrian dishes. That's great. So people know that if they go on your website that they won't only be able to learn how to make Assyrian dishes, but they can get influences from other cultures as well. What's next for Assyrian dishes? Like where do you see Assyrian dishes a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? We started Assyrian dishes a year and a half ago. We've got nearly 6,000 followers on Facebook. We have 
1,600 followers on Instagram. We have nearly 3,200 uh, subscribers on YouTube and it's growing every single day. And we feature our videos once a week. Well, we used to do it twice a week, but now it's once a week. This is, for us, it's a hobby for me and my husband. We have our lives. My husband has work and I run a household. So for us, it's like a hobby or pastime. To grow, even if I don't cook, we stop making Assyrian dishes like videos. Our videos are going to still be there for our future, for our future children, for future couples that are learning how to cook Assyrian food, for anyone learning to cook Assyrian food. These videos are going to be there for years to come. So that's our goal was to be, just to have videos available for everyone to learn how to cook Assyrian food. We're not trying to sell a cookbook, we're not trying to sell anything. Our goal is just to show you how to cook Assyrian food. We have listeners from all over the world who listen to us every week and tune in. What is something that you would like to say to them? One piece of advice, whether food or anything? I'd like to thank everyone for their support, for their kind words around the world. We have followers in Australia, Canada, United States, United Kingdom, France, Germany, Dubai, you know, um, they're everywhere. Syrians live everywhere. This is our small knit community where we can share our Assyrian food for everyone to learn how to cook Assyrian food. Even in Spain, you know, the least we expect Assyrians to be, they're there, you know, and they want to learn how to cook Assyrian food. It's for our future generation. We want our food to continue on. And that, that was our whole goal. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>